Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. There's a, there's a Mongolian saying um, that it's easier to catch an escaped horse than to take back an escaped word. That's so true. Who here has ever said something that you wish, like as soon as it came out of your mouth, you wish you could take it back? All right, there's all the honest people right there. Um, who's ever been in a conversation where one person says something and it's like, it's not really a big deal. Um, something like, you know, you kind of, you, you left your toast crumbs out on the counter and then you kind of get defensive and then they come back with a little more frustration and then, you know, you get more mad and you know, the whole thing escalates and it turns into this big fight. And then you turn around and you're like, our entire day is ruined. And I don't know how this happened because this was literally a conversation that started over toast. I, uh, I can remember one time with my wife, um, and I don't know why, but I just got so, so angry in this conversation, so frustrated that um, it was like, I'm just escalating myself, right? Like, you know, that escalation thing. And she, she just kind of, at this point, had just taken a step back and was quiet, and she's just watching this disaster unfold. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm getting so mad that just hearing myself talk is making me more mad. And then I just, I looked like a total, a total moron. And, and I walk, you know, back to her after the thing is over and my head's down low and I'm like, just so embarrassed. I'm like, sorry, honey. I don't know what happened to me. I'm an idiot. I feel like an idiot. Um, so that's me. Um, I am not always great with my mouth. And when Rylan asked me to talk about managing your mouth, I thought, dude, you have got the wrong guy. But it's too late. I'm already up here. Um, but seriously, my name is, is Zach, and I lead our recovery ministry here at Rockbrook, which means that I work with people who are struggling with addictions and compulsive behaviors, but so much more than that, things like anxiety and depression, um, any kind of hurt habit or hang-up, Celebrate Recovery is designed um, to help people with. And, and what I've realized through my time in Celebrate Recovery is that a lot of our dysfunction really boils down to our relationships, to the way that we communicate with others. And, and managing our mouth is, is very, very difficult. Um, and, and I'm working on it, and I'd like to think that I've learned some things through the years, but this is a spiritual skill that, that we have to develop because it doesn't come naturally. James, the brother of Jesus, he talks about the tongue as something that's just incredibly difficult to control. And he describes the tongue as a fire, meaning that a runaway mouth can be as destructive to your life as a runaway fire. There's uh, this verse in Proverbs, I'm going to read this, the tongue can bring death or life, death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Your words sometimes literally have the power of death or life. People have been killed over the things that they've said, and people have been saved over their words. Wars have been started and ended over the words of leaders, and in metaphorical ways, you, you know, your words, they can breathe life into a relationship. They can strengthen a marriage and your words can kill a relationship. Your words can get you hired and they can get you fired. I bet that if I was just to give you 10 seconds, I bet you could just real easily come up with a memory, a scenario where you remember something that, that you said that you just, 
just regret, something that even if you think about it now, you can probably feel that, that embarrassment, that regret in your body because we've all said things that we regret. But to further complicate matters, there's times where, where we're supposed to say something and we don't. You know, maybe someone's pushing our boundaries and, and instead of holding firm, we just, you know, cave in and allow them um, to kind of push our boundaries and then we can stew and, and think about it and get upset and maybe take it out on someone who doesn't deserve it. Like there's that classic scenario where the boss is taking advantage of the husband and then the husband goes home and takes it out on the innocent wife or there's other cases where someone just, just bottles it all inside and then one day explodes and says way more than they need to and there's consequences for that. Where a lot of times our, our interpersonal problems will work their way out through some kind of addiction or compulsive behavior and then you have to come and see me and celebrate recovery. But a lot of us will find ourselves kind of having these imaginary conversations in our head where it's like, you know, one day I'm going to get back at them. One day I'm going to tell them how I really feel. And, you know, if you find yourself having those conversations, then that might be a sign that there's something that you need to say. But it's not always wise to go directly to that person and say it. Right? Like sometimes they're not the person you need to process it with. Or maybe if you do, you need to like really think it through first and find the right things to say before you come to them. Maybe you need to process it with a, a sponsor or a counselor or a small group or something like that. Because managing our mouths can be difficult. But it's this massive area of life and it's something that we can't ignore. And there's times where we need to keep our lips closed. And there's times where we need to say something. But when we do say something, to say the right thing in the right way. So how do we manage our mouths? There was five things I wanted to say to you, but I only have time to tell you three. <laughs> and um, the first two I'm going to go through uh, pretty quickly, but the first one is listen before you speak. Listen before you speak. Proverbs 18, 13 says, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Now most of us know this, but come on. This is really hard to do, and, and there's various reasons for this. Maybe we're feeling kind of a sense of social anxiety, and so we can just kind of jump in to fill the silence before we get a chance to really uh, listen. Maybe we're angry, and so we're, we're, you know, we're just ready to jump in so that we can do battle with, with whatever we're, we're talking about, or, or there's times where I can remember where I've just been like really, really hyper and just kind of loose with my words and end up looking silly. But um, one skill that, that I'm learning through... Um, training to be a, a counselor is, is the skill of, of paraphrasing. If this fits for you, then I'd love for you to, to try this out and test it with the people in your life because it's so incredibly helpful. But basically, the idea is that when I'm in a conversation, before I respond back to you and give you my rebuttal or my statement or my argument or my perspective, before I respond to what you've said to me, I want to check to make sure that I understand what you're saying by just paraphrasing back to you in, in my own words what I heard you say. And it sounds pretty simple, but this, this, I mean, I'm telling you, this skill will totally radically change your conversations, especially, this is especially important when it comes to our relationships with, with our spouse. Um, but it, it sounds something like this, like, you know, someone says something to you and you basically say, you know, it seems like this is what you're saying. Is that correct? Or you just repeat back in your own words what they said to you. It feels like this is your perspective. Does that fit for you? Did I get that get that right and this is is so amazing and one thing it does is it allows the other person to clarify whether you actually heard them correctly because when you know when we're in an argument a lot of times we're like not even talking about the same thing right 
she thinks this and I think that and, and you're just you're fighting about two totally different topics and when we can stop and, and slow down and kind of paraphrase what the other person is saying it makes sure that we're on the same page and we're actually talking about the same issue and that can save us a lot of headaches and our wisdom points are just automatically going to go up but another thing that this does is it allows the other person to feel heard in a lot of our conversations it's not just about the words that are being said but it's about the feeling of being connected or disconnected that's taking place underneath the words and when you can say to someone honey it sounds like this is what you're saying did I get that right like that's going to breathe life into a person that's going to let them know that you actually care about them, that you care about their perspective, that you're not enemies duking it out, but you guys are on the same team trying to figure this out together. It's just going to radically improve your conversations. But this has got to come from a genuine place of, of I really do want to understand you. I really want to see your perspective. And it may feel weird or, or awkward to, to try this, but just push through it because it will radically change your conversations. The second thing is think before you speak. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Wise person, a wise person ponders how to answer. But a lot of times we just want to kind of jump in before we've had a chance to think. Um, kind of out of this interpersonal anxiety or, or anger, and so we end up like agreeing to things that that really don't work for us or our family or we say something without thinking. And for some reason, we just kind of, as people, struggle with, with silence. Silence can be awkward. But I've noticed that one of the things that I really respect in another person is if I can see someone who's in a conversation or they're being interviewed or something or a teacher and, and they can just stop in a conversation and just take a second and think. Like when I see somebody do that, it's just like they're, it automatically communicates that they've got this depth of wisdom in them. And if we can do that in our conversations, just pause and think. It, it just makes us look so much smarter. It's so wise. And so one thing that you may need to do, and, and this is, you know, just, just to stop and, and say to the person, hey, can I have a second to think about that? Or if a boss asks you something, hey, can I get back to you in 24 hours or can I give you an answer in an hour? Can I just have five seconds to think about that? Just that little skill, just being able to pause in a conversation and think something through before answering can be so incredibly helpful. But we want to think before we speak. And, and a grid that I kind of um, have learned to help me decide whether or not words should leave my mouth is this grid, the, the acronym of THINK, T-H-I-N-K. And I, Pastor Kelly taught me this years ago and it's it's stuck with me and, and you may have seen this like they'll put it up in elementary schools um, but it's this acronym for think so before I say something I want to think is this truthful I'm not going to say something that's not that's not the truth is this helpful is this going to move the conversation forward is this a solution to the problem or am I just complaining about the past is it inspirational are these words going to breathe life into the other person is it necessary? Is this something that it needs to be said or is this a detail that should just kind of be left, um, left unsaid? And is it kind? Right? If I can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Now this for me is something that I try to use as like a grid, as, as boundaries for my words. Like if you're bowling, you know, you want to stay out of the gutter, right? If it's not true, that if it's false, that's in the gutter. I'm not going to say it. If it's not kind, then that's in the gutter. That's not something that I want to say. 
So before we speak, think, is this truthful? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And if we can kind of back up to what we talked about in the last point of, of paraphrasing back what the other person has said before we, before we respond. Um, paraphrasing, it, it checks to make sure that you understand. It allows them to feel heard. But something else it does is it kind of just naturally slows down the conversation. Right? It gives you a second to think before you respond. And we talked about anxiety being one of the things that can kind of push us to, to jump into a conversation before we've had the chance to, to think. But another reason is anger. Another reason is anger. And Pastor Kelly talked about anger a few weeks ago and about the damage of speaking under the influence can have on us and, and on our conversations. And that really brings us to our next point, which is feel before you speak. I was reading this verse, and it was, it was blowing me away, and I'm not even totally sure I understand what it means yet. But it, it says, the hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent, and their lips promote instruction. That, something about that phrase, that it's the heart that's making the mouth prudent. That in some sense, the heart is leading the mouth. And I'm not totally sure what this means, but I think part of what this is saying is that a wise person has a wise heart. And that wise heart is what is instructing the mouth. And, and so kind of my understanding of this is that it's wise to speak with emotional intelligence. That it's wise to speak with an awareness of what you're feeling. Because words don't just exist in a vacuum. Words come from an emotional source with like an emotional flavor. I want to read this next verse aloud. aloud. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, let's put that on the screen there. Well, I'll just read it to you guys. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Meaning like if you were to set a priority in life, your priority above all else, above everything else you do, guard your heart because everything is going to flow from your heart. And years later, Jesus reached into the same principle and he said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Our words flow out of our emotions. So before we speak, we want to pay attention to what we're feeling. Now the cool thing about emotions is that emotions are information. Now that information isn't always accurate, but when you're feeling something, that is at least telling you what your body thinks is going on. But emotions are information. I'll give you an example of this. Um, fear is, is the information that, that you're perceiving a threat and the way to properly respond to that threat is to run away. Right? Fear is like, I'm interpreting there's something coming at me that I'm not equipped to handle, and so I'm going to get out of here. Anger is the information that you're perceiving a threat, and I'm going to fight it. So you've got that kind of fight-flight thing going on. Um, sadness is your body telling you that I've, I've received some sort of loss. But inside of, of emotions is, is a message, a message that your body is perceiving a certain situation in a certain way. And that emotion is trying to get your body to respond to that interpretation of the situation. But the response, come on, the response is not always helpful because that interpretation isn't always accurate. So for example, if I'm in a conversation with my wife 
and, and I feel myself getting angry, that's my body interpreting that my wife is a threat. But, but come on, that's not an accurate interpretation. My wife isn't a threat. And I think what's happening is underneath that emotion of anger is, is another emotion that is the real threat for me. And for me, personally, that's usually the emotion of shame. Is that on some level, I feel like I'm not good enough. I've still got things I got to work on. And I don't want to feel that. I don't want to hear that message. And so I'm going to naturally respond with the secondary emotion of anger to try to protect myself from the threat of shame. I was in a training and I heard a marriage counselor say that anything anything but anger, anything but anger, meaning that when you're in a, in a conversation with, with your spouse, if you're, you know, in a, in a heated argument, it's safe to express any emotion you're feeling other than anger. And here's why. Because anger is often, not always, but most of the time, a lot of times in our conversations, anger is a secondary emotion. So a primary emotion is like, let's say I'm walking through the woods and, and I see a bear come out of nowhere, right? And I've got, let's, like, I've got no protection, nothing like that. I've got no way to protect myself. I see a bear come out. I'm automatically going to feel fear. That emotion is a direct response to the situation that I'm in. And that fear is a fitting emotion because it's telling me like there's a threat coming at you. You do not have the resources to handle it. So your best chance is to get out of here. That's a good emotion in that situation. It's a primary emotion. It fits. It's a direct response to the situation I'm in. But a secondary emotion is not a response to a situation you're in. It's a response to another emotion that you're feeling. Now, here's a common scenario that I fall into is my wife points something out in me. And especially if she's right, I get a little bit defensive, which is anger. I feel a little bit angry because underneath of that anger is this shame. This vulnerable feeling of, well, she's telling me I'm not good enough again, right? And then there comes this like whole host of, of past baggage that I brought into my relationship with my wife. And she's like, honey, I'm just telling you about the toast. I'm not telling you you're not good enough. But in my head, that's not where I'm going. Like there's a lot of stuff happening underneath the surface where it, it's way more is bundled into that emotion than just what my wife has said. And that emotion is just so terrifying for me that I'm gonna just get, I'm gonna get angry because that feels safer. That shame, that's a threat for me. And so I'm gonna get angry to respond to that threat of shame. But it's not my wife's fault. Like that's not my wife. And so you can see how like if you're, if you're just getting angry, you're not really dealing with the issue that's underneath. So when you're angry, ask yourself, what's underneath that? What's underneath that? Or another lens to, to look at this is, is this a hard or a soft emotion? Right, anger is like a hard emotion that is often covering the, the softer emotions underneath, like hurt or embarrassment or feeling overwhelmed or feeling shame or, or anxiety. But if you can come, if you come at someone with anger, what are they going to want to naturally respond with? More anger. But if you can come into a conversation and, and you notice yourself starting to get angry and just kind of stop and explore and, and ask yourself, what's underneath that? What am I really feeling? And just you know, say to yourself or, or say to your spouse, honey, I know I'm getting defensive, but I think what's really happening is underneath I'm feeling embarrassed or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling, feeling anxious, right? And if you can just really get and dig down into that, that, that more vulnerable emotion that's underneath the anger, it's going to make our conversation so much wiser. 
to become aware of what we're feeling and to name it. And at times, we may have to walk away and come back. But anger isn't the only emotion to look for. Right, anger oftentimes is a, a secondary emotion that's not helpful, so you do want to have that on your list of things to watch for, but there's two other emotions that I really want to talk about, um, and these things are often underneath anger, and these are the emotions of shame and anxiety, particularly anxiety about the threat of losing our relationships, and the, these emotions are incredibly deceptive and, and tricky, and they can get lodged way down deep in our heart and they often get intermixed with one another and it's hard to even like to differentiate where shame begins and anxiety ends they just get um, so murky in there and we often don't even know they're there because they feel so vulnerable that we're afraid to face them but shame basically is this underlying belief that I'm unlovable I'm unworthy this feeling that I'm not good enough and so we have this fear of being seen and, and known because if somebody sees me and knows the real me, then they're going to reject me. And we can develop this kind of oversensitivity to failure because we feel like, you know, I need to, to be more, to accomplish more, to do more in order to prove my worth. And so if I'm in a conversation and it feels like somebody's starting to question my worth, my ability, then I'm going to overreact and say something that I regret. Now, anxiety or anxiety about, you know, the important relationships in our life is kind of this underlying belief that I'm weak, that I'm fragile, that I don't have what it takes. And it's this, this fear that the important people in my life are going to leave me. And we can develop this oversensitivity to anything that might begin to indicate this possibility of being left. And it can get expressed as as codependency, or maybe even just avoiding relationships altogether. Because if, if I'm not in any relationships, then I don't even have the chance of getting hurt. And we can say, you know, we don't say the things that we need or we'll force ourselves to be what we think we need to be for the relationship. And we feel this constant threat to our relationships. And I'm not like a total expert in all this emotion stuff, but I, I do know enough to say that a lot of our dysfunction, a lot of the ways that we get in trouble with our mouth is fueled by this, this shame and anxiety that we've carried with us throughout our life, oftentimes from childhood. Because if I'm carrying this belief around that I'm weak and I'm worthless, and if I'm in a conversation and it feels like someone's starting to confirm that belief for me, then, then I'm gonna get oversensitive and, and overreact and say words that aren't wise. So before we speak, we want to ask ourselves, what am I feeling? What's the emotion underneath? To, to be aware of that feeling, to name it, and if I have to, leave a conversation and come back. Now, I want to talk to the men for a moment, and I'm kind of hesitant to do this because I'm concerned that, you know, some of the ladies may use this as ammo, and, but, but, Seriously, though, um, ladies, don't, don't do that. Because um, a lot of what I'm going to talk about, this is going to describe a lot of women um, as well. But I can feel that there's probably some guys out there who are, there's just kind of some pushback. Because it's like, dude, all this emotion talk, that's not very masculine. Right? And I want to make an argument that that's not really true. Because emotion, like really what emotion is, is it's this gift from God that's it's just information from my body. It's information, and what's not masculine about information? And if you were to list some of the most masculine traits you can come up with, 
I, I don't think there's much argument that courage would be like near the top of the list. There's no little boy who just thinks like, I want to grow up and not have any courage. Like there's something, and there's like very courageous women as well. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying that like somewhere in the heart of every man is just like courage is very, very, very important to us. But I think one of the major reasons that men struggle to face some of these more vulnerable emotions is, is a lack of courage. Because a lot of men, and could be some women as well, but for a lot of men, we're so afraid of that information that could be contained in an emotion. Because it's like, if I lift up my anger, I might find embarrassment. Or if I look underneath my anger, I might find shame and anxiety and, and what those emotions mean about me, that I'm not as strong as I want to be, that I'm not as skilled as I want to be, that, that I'm not as self-sufficient as I want everyone to think that I am. And so it's like, no wonder, who on earth would want to face that? Who would want to look at, at shame and anxiety if, if the message of those emotions is that you're inadequate, you don't have what it takes, you're, you're like, who would want to face that? Anger is way easier, but anger is not more courageous. There are few things more courageous than facing the scariest emotions, the emotions that we are the most afraid of, and the messages that those emotions might say about us, and to deal with those so that we can become the best person we can be for ourselves and for those who are counting on us. But ladies, give us a little grace, because our brains literally are wired differently. Like this emotion stuff, like we, it's harder for us to make sense of this. Our brains are, are wired differently. And so we get flooded more easily. We get overwhelmed more easily. And so we need um, a little bit of grace. But here's the thing. Those emotions, shame, anxiety, like emotions are not always accurate. And, and, and if they're telling us that we're weak and we're unworthy, like of course we don't want to deal with that. But those emotions are not always accurate. A lot of that comes from distorted messages from our past. And so as hard as it can be to face, it's not real. It's not accurate. But those underlying fears can be very, very powerful. But the best way to deal with it is to face it. Now, I don't know about you, but um, this has felt like some heavy material. And... Um, I don't know, this may have opened something up for you. Maybe you're thinking like, well, maybe the reason my conversations aren't going the way I want is because I am lugging around this shame and anxiety, this fear that I'm weak or unworthy. And as this message has evolved, it's just become more and more clear to me that managing your mouth is about managing your hearts. And I, I gave you some practical advice, like that skill of, of paraphrasing, saying back to someone what they said to you, like if you can do that, that's going to improve your conversations. If you can develop the skill of becoming aware of what you're feeling in the moment and to name it and to step away if you have to, like if you can do those skills, that's really going to improve your conversations and your words are going to be wiser. But when it comes to managing your heart, like there's only so much that advice can do for you. And as much as I love the, the science and, and psychology of emotions, like I think we need to take things one step deeper. And when I think about kind of the complexity and dynamics of our emotional life, like it can get messy. It can get super messy. I mean, a lot of us, we're carrying around these massive wounds from our parents that feels our shame and anxiety, that feels this fear that I'm weak, that I'm worthless. And it, and it works its way out in our words, but I mean, come on, 
even if you had the best childhood you could think of, I believe that every human being is born with the question in their heart, am I enough? Am I strong enough? Am I capable enough to be everything that I'm supposed to be? And am I good enough to be accepted? I think we're all born asking ourselves that question, am I enough? But there's only one person who can answer that question for you this morning. A verse that I've been carrying around with me um, whenever I feel this, whenever I feel this question of am I enough is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now you can think about that for the rest of your life. But then it gets real good. And then he says, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. You have been brought to fullness. And whenever I'm wondering, like, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Have I accomplished enough? Whenever I've got all this junk from my past that's lying to me, telling me I'm not, I just, I come back to this, that, Jesus Christ, who is fullness, says to me that you're enough, that you're made full in me. So what I want to say to you this morning is that you are enough. And if you've never, if you've never gone to your heavenly father to tell you that you're enough, if you've never gone to him to, to tell you that you're capable, that you're worthy, if you've never gone to him to deal with with whatever happened to you in your past that told you you're not good enough, um, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray together. God, you are, um, you're so good. We need you. I ask that anyone in the room this morning who's never come to you to answer this question in their heart that hasn't come to you to be told that, that you are enough, you are capable, you are worthy, you are loved, if they haven't come to you to, to start a relationship with you, to admit that they've sinned, that they've messed up, they've got this baggage from things they've done or things that have been done to them, God, I ask that they would come to you this morning and they would just say in their heart with me, I know I've sinned, I know I've messed up. But I believe that you died for me on the cross. That you rose again from the dead and I want to give you my heart. And I'm just thankful that you loved me enough to pour out your love through the biggest sacrifice that could ever be imagined. That you died on a cross. You rose again so that you could prove to us that we are enough in you. God, to everyone in the room this morning, help us to manage our mouths as we trust you to manage our hearts. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.